A customer once asked a shopkeeper, what makes this set of china so much more expensive than the one that's over there? They really look almost the same. Well, the reply was simple. The shopkeeper said, the costlier set has had more done to it. You see, it had to be put through the kiln twice because the flowers are on a yellow background. On the less expensive set, they're on a white background. The costly china had to be put through the fire once for the yellow background and then a second time for the design on it. And so it is in the Christian life. Our number one goal needs to be to glorify God. And so when we think of what God does in our life, we need to realize that God allows us to go through steps of faith and tests of faith so that the fire of his purging and then the fire of his blessing can make us into the vessel that can be truly for the glory of God. And as we think of the great I am, that's our theme, of course, for this entire ministry, know him and join him. During the stewardship month, we're looking at one particular name of the great I am, uh, Jehovah Jireh, used in one key passage in the Old Testament. But this truly unveils the heart of God in this refining process, this developing process, through the tests that we face, face so that He can make us what He wants us to be, and we can have the full, glorious rest and confidence that God will provide for us. Jehovah reveals God as the eternal self-existent one, the I am, the God of revelation, the God who has given his very heart, his very mind of understanding to us, the God of moral and spiritual attributes. And it was, of course, the covenant name to Israel. The term, the compound term, Jehovah Jireh, uh, has the idea, the Lord will see. The Lord will provide. The Lord will see and provide is really what it means. And the idea that God Almighty foreknows, He foresees, He sees everything. He knows all of the consequences, all of the different aspects uh, of, uh, of life. And He, the, the, the term means actually to see but to see to be able to provide. And so when God provides for us, it is based upon His perfect omniscient understanding as God and His perfect love for us, knowing what is best. You know, sometimes a parent will provide for a child, but that provision wasn't very wise. I will look, for instance, I'll get off of one of my hobby horses here for just a second, um, I will see parents provide technology for three-year-olds. Not a good idea. That, that was a sincere provision. Well, maybe not so sincere they wanted to distract their child, but whatever. Um, that that provision um, was made out of a good heart, but wasn't wise. But when God provides, He sees everything. He knows everything. It comes out of His perfect holy character. And God will meet our needs in the perfect way. It is a revelation of His character. So our theme is Jehovah Jireh, 
giving my all, expecting his supply. And today I want to look at this matter of the test of faith in this matter of giving our all. Folks, something that is most important, the key aspect of our relationship to God is the matter of our faith. We are saved by faith, not of ourselves. We grow by faith. Faith is that acknowledging the Word of God is true and then acting in obedience, trusting God alone to enable you to obey. Faith always goes against the natural human thinking because of our fallen flesh and goes against what is many times just part of culture. We have to take a step of faith out of step with normal humanity and our own natural inclinations, but we choose to believe God over our feelings, our emotions, or what others think. And so faith is truly the key to everything that is important in life. Uh, Back in the Old Testament, uh, the book of Habakkuk makes it very clear, the very heart of that book that talks about our relationship with God. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 4, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. We're justified by faith. We live by faith. We take steps of faith. And so this is really the essence of what we're going to be looking at in this matter of experiencing the provision of Jehovah God. Warren Wiersbe says, Genesis 22 records the greatest test that Abraham ever faced. True, it also presents a beautiful picture of our Lord's sacrifice at Calvary. But the main lesson is obedient faith that overcomes the trials of life. Abraham teaches us how to face and handle the tests of life, note this, to the glory of God. Genesis 22, please, if you'll turn there with me this morning. We're going to take two weeks on this great chapter looking at this test of faith that is the key that unlocks our understanding of Jehovah Jireh, the God who uh, provides. F.B. Meyer says, so long as men live in the world, they will turn this story to this story with unwaning interest. This story grabs your attention. There is only one scene in history by which it is surpassed, and That's where the great father gave his his Isaac, Jesus Christ, to a death from which there was no deliverance. This is quite an awe-inspiring story, one that's very difficult to try to give really justice to it. But let's start reading at verse 1. We'll look at uh, the first section of this chapter today. I'm going to read the entire section that I'm going to be looking at. Verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I, I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went in unto the place of which God had told him. 
Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, am I my son? And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. What a story. For years, Abraham had believed God regarding the fact that he would have a seed that would be a great nation and be a blessing to all the nations of the world. That started all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. He believed God. He left the Ur of the Chaldees, left Haran, came down into the land of Canaan, and continued to trust the Lord. He did endeavor to come with a different solution after he and his wife were getting past the age where they could have children. And uh, we know the story of Hagar and Ishmael and even his earlier trying to get Eliezer, his steward, to be his heir. But the Lord kept saying, Sarah will have a son. And here Abraham is at a hundred and his wife in her 90s, impossible to have a son. And chapter 21, the chapter just proceed, uh, in this chapter, the joy of the Lord came upon that household. Isaac was born. What a miracle. His faith had been substantiated. He trusted his God. And I can imagine now he knew that he was going to see this happen um, as Isaac would develop it, that he himself would not see the full fulfillment of it, but he was rejoicing. And I would think that he was expecting to spend the rest of his life declaring what God had done and doing everything he could to train Isaac to be able to begin the generations that would provide this people of God. And of course, that would be the nation of Israel. And then chapter 22. Isaac's older. He had been thrilled with what God had done. And God says to him, very simply, go to Moriah, offer him as a burnt offering. 
God develops faith through tests. God develops faith through tests. Folks, this is a test that's hard for me to even explain. I like how Tony Evans puts it. Uh, he was in the middle of some contradictions. Theological. God's instruction contradicted the promise of a future nation and also thou shalt not kill. Um, back from Noah. It was emotional. It collided with his emotions. I can't imagine. It was social. He'd never be a great name. And what would the nations think around him? This is unthinkable. And then relational, it wouldn't do a lot for his marriage. <laughs> Probably. Poor Sarah. And so, first of all, if we're going to see God work in our lives and understand Jehovah Jireh, we've got to overcome the natural questions in our life. And they do come. What about God's promise? What happened here? Now, uh, we have quite, quite a story. There are so many details that could be given here. But there was something about going to the land of Moriah that I think may have struck a chord in the heart of Abraham. Mount Moriah, as we read in 2 Chronicles 3.1, was the place where the Solomonic Temple was built. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount, in Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah was also, since it was where the temple was, it was also the place where Jesus Christ died for our sins. When you go to Jerusalem, you start at the Temple Mound, and as you head out toward the Damascus Gate to see Calvary, you're going up, 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 up. And the peak of this portion of Mount Moriah is what we call today Mount Calvary. So you can see here the picture and all. But obviously Abraham didn't have all of that understanding. What about God's promise? Um, and, and, and he had to wrestle through this. Hebrews 10.28 says, now the just shall live by faith. That's again quoting back to Habakkuk 2.4. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. What's the next chapter in Hebrews? The faith chapter. And so Abraham was told by God where to go and what to do. He had learned through his life that the voice of God must be obeyed. But I can tell you when God gave him that instruction, he was just overwhelmed by questions. But allowing those questions to affect him would have brought him back to unbelief. My friends, God calls us to sacrifice, to surrender our lives. He calls us to be bold in our witness. He calls us to have priorities for our families that might be sacrificial. He calls us to be right and ethical on the job, which might put us into a very difficult position. Our integrity will put us to the test. He calls us to give, as we'll be talking about this month, the tithe and offerings above. Uh, all of these things bring us to a point 
in which the human natural inclination is to question and wonder how this is going to work and why does God expect this? And these are the typical things and Satan just loves to play on that. And here, of course, Abraham had just the question of, Lord, you said this is the one that was going to be, how would you want me, why would you want me to offer him as a burnt offering? But Abraham knew about unbelief. Charles Haddon Spurgeon says, every other crime touches God's territory, but unbelief aims a blow at his divinity, impeaches his veracity, denies his goodness, blasphemes his attributes, maligns his character. Therefore, God of all things hates first and chiefly unbelief, whatever it is. And we're going to see here, and I'm going to just touch on these things. I'm only giving you the questions based upon Abraham being a man, being human, but there are none in this passage. This passage shines forth with the glory of God through a man. I know he thought these things, but he allowed himself to believe. In his book, Spiritual Depression, Martin Lloyd-Jones writes, doubts are not incompatible with faith. Some people seem to think that once you become a Christian, you should never be assailed by doubts. (laughs) But that is not so. Peter still had faith as he panicked in the storm. His faith was not gone, but it was weak. Uh, Doubt mastered him and overwhelmed him, and he was shaken. Doubts will attack us, but that does not mean that we need to allow them to master us or to cause us to go into unbelief. So here is an example of, yes, sometimes life is very contradictory and very difficult, but you can still believe God. And worse than what the consequences of obeying God is, is unbelief. Faith does not demand explanations. Faith rests on promises. The Word of God. For we walk by faith, not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Life is difficult, wrote M. Scott Peck. Once we truly know that life is difficult, once we truly understand and accept it, then life is no longer difficult. That's a human perspective. We as believers need to realize that God's life is glorious, but there will be difficult tests of faith which continue to change us and and, uh, rescue us from our needs and the weaknesses and the immaturities that we have and shapes us into uh, God's uh, glory and the ability to show forth His glory through us. So, it's exciting here. What did Abraham do? He rose up early in the morning. He didn't procrastinate one bit. He got his donkey ready, took his young men with him, took Isaac, his son. He'd already got the wood chopped up for the burnt offering, rose up and went. I have a suspicion he didn't tell Sarah. <laughs> I don't know, that's pure conjecture. <laughs> Uh, that could have been a difficult moment. But, uh, but I think she was a real woman of faith too, according to Hebrews 11. But regardless, a lot you can read into this passage. 
But folks, I'm sure he had questions, but what did he do? He immediately behaved by obeying. Now, what do we do? We need to teach our children to behave by immediately obeying, right? That's very key. And so immediate obedience, even though doubts were there, he, he took the step of faith because God had told him what to do. Well, that just didn't come out of nowhere. It was built on a foundation of faith. God had been working in Abraham's life. God had uh, dealt with him on a number of occasions, had made covenants with him. You could spend right now a half hour and more just going over how God worked. Obviously, the whole matter of waiting on the birth of Isaac and going through that in and of itself was a faith-building matter. Remember when uh, Lot went to Sodom and then Chedorlaomer came from Mesopotamia and and all of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah were taken away captive, and with 300-plus men, he goes and defeats a mighty set of kings. He saw God work. He saw God uh, deliver him over and over. He saw what happened when he lost his faith and Ishmael was born. He heard God's voice when he went to Egypt. He learned some lessons. And so when he came to this time, I want you to see that... God had, in these decades, while he was in Canaan, had developed, uh, had uh, enabled him to develop an absolute, settled confidence in the Word of God. Folks, that's where we want to go. I'm telling you, you talk about revival. You talk about God blessing in the life. You talk about victory in the Christian life. Victory in the Christian life is when you're so walking with God and you have walked with Him that you have that settled confidence in your heart that God will keep His Word. And in these troubling days, what a difference that makes. Romans 1.17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, that is written, the just shall live by faith. God just continues to grow. In fact, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, one of the aspects is faith. We, take, we make the decision of faith, but God in, puts the situations around us and stirs us to enable us to be able to keep moving forward in faith. He is such a comforter, such a help. And that's exactly what happened uh, to Abraham, uh, Romans 4, verse 19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. He had the idea of strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. God had brought him to that place by, uh, at the time that Isaac was conceived. And so this test now, some years later, would reveal again Abraham's faith and obedience and is a continual strengthening and what is Abraham being used for right now to all of us? For the glory of God. I don't know about you, but this gives me hope. See, the Bible's so honest. Abraham wasn't perfect. But look where Abraham came. I mean, this, this chapter is one of the pinnacles of Scripture. 
But we live in a day with the indwelling Holy Spirit and the fulfilled and completed Word of God. Friends, this shows you the kind of men and women of faith that God will enable us to be if we will walk with Him. And so, as we look at this, we see Abraham obeying immediately. And you see here his confidence. Uh, you see with uh, verse 5, And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again. Hmm. That wasn't, uh, that was carefully stated. We're both coming back. And then, of course, when Isaac, and I can't imagine what went through the heart of Abraham, he said, Dad, I see the wood, see everything, but where is the lamb? The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. The Lord sees. He knows. I can trust him. He's got this thing under control. If he was to be more open at this point, he would say, I don't understand it all, Isaac, but I know my God. I know that whatever he wants is best, and he will, and he will take care of us. My God will provide. I'm telling you, there's nothing better in a home for a dad to say, I trust my God. We need men with conviction and faith in this day that when the Word of God says it, it doesn't matter what the cultural pressures are, we are going to serve the Lord like Joshua said. As for me and my house, we will serve God. And all I'm telling you, children know when dad and mom believe God. You've, you've taken those steps of faith and you realize when you didn't what the cost was and you confess those things and you continue to keep on going and realize that God is so gracious and so good and he will continue to develop. And uh, God wants to, uh, to do a great work in our life. And that then causes with that foundation of development, then we can have sacrificial faith. That uh, it leads to sacrificial faith. True faith will lead us to trust God with everything. Wouldn't you like to be there? Listen, folks, every time God leads you to do something in the Word of God, according to the Word of God, trust God and do it. Because what's going to happen is he's going to, he's going to trust you with greater things and allow you to see uh, just glorious things in your life. But anytime you resist, do question, you go to unbelief, you fall back. God says, I have no pleasure in that. So we have an entire chapter here focused on a man that God was pleased with. In fact, we're going to see that especially next week. God was very happy with Abraham. But God's the one that had been working. But Abraham had to respond to him. 1 Peter 1.6, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried by fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Folks, let me just ask you, are you willing to let God make you into uh, a tremendous trophy of grace that shines forth His glory to everyone to be seen? That needs to be the passion of our hearts. 
And when we get that settled, and we really believe it, and we surrender ourselves to Him, that's when God can do the shaping work that needs to be done and, and to uh, show forth what God can do. One man that has given glory to God over and over is George Mueller of England, who was a great man of faith. And he once said, God delights to increase the faith of His children. We ought, instead of wanting no trials before victory, no exercise for patience, to be willing to take them from God's hand as a means. I say, and say it deliberately, trials, obstacles, difficulties, and sometimes defeats are the very food of faith. And if you've known the Lord for any time, you know the name George Mueller, and you give glory to God faith. You see, we believe when we get to the place where we are constantly saying yes to the Lord, we begin to believe that no matter how big and how sacrificial it is, God is going to work. Again, Warren Wiersbe says, Abraham could depend on the promise and provision of the Lord. He had already experienced the resurrection power of God in his own body. Think about that. He was dead in the ability to have a child. So was his wife, and they were given life. And so he knew that God could raise Isaac from the dead if that was his plan. Apparently, no resurrections had taken place before that time. So Abraham was ex exercising great faith in God. Now, now, you've got to understand, I believe he went up there fully expecting for the knife to plunge into his child. He had no way out of this. God made it very specific what was going to happen. This was to be a burnt offering. So the only way God was going to keep his word was for there to be a resurrection. You say, well, that's a little bit extreme to think that he thought that. Well, we have scripture <laughs> that tells us that he did. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, that great faith chapter says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac and and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said that in Isaac shall all thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence he received him as a figure. In other words, that's, it, it was only a figure. It wasn't an actual resurrection, obviously. It was a deliverance. Isn't that amazing? Now, I'm telling you, for an Old Testament believer to come to the place that they believe that God could raise someone from the dead shows the progression of faith that had come into Abraham's life. And we're New Testament believers. We know there's a resurrection. We know that he lives. We know people were brought to life by Jesus Christ. Oh, how much more we ought not fear to do what God wants us to do. So let me conclude with this thought here this morning. When we walk away from a divine test, we miss seeing God do the supernatural on our behalf. We miss seeing God reveal himself for who he really is. Now, let me say it again. When God tells us to do something, when God 
clearly applies the word to us, when it's very clear that this is the right thing to do, and yet there are questions, there are doubts because of the consequences and the difficulty and the sacrifice it's going to make, if it is of God and we walk away from it, we miss seeing God do the supernatural. We miss having God reveal himself to us, which is why each person here was created, and if you're a Christian, saved to know God. You miss it all. And folks, I can just say, and I know the ups and downs of Abraham, but I can only, I can just say from the depths of my heart, those times when you just about die to obey God are the times that you live. That's the time when you meet God. I remember the early time when I've given this testimony often. I was in graduate school. I was an assistant dean of men. And my entire salary was basically my benefits. Live, food, whole business. And I made 50 bucks a week. No, a month. 50 bucks a month. And um, so I tithed off to 50 bucks a month. That was sacrificial. I was even given above the tithe. I really felt I was doing, doing well. And I heard a message on tithing at my home church there in Greenville. I was up in the balcony. About two or three hundred of my, my dorm guys were in that service. I'll never forget it. And he preached on, supposed to give a tenth of everything. Everything. And I started calculating. Lord, that's my entire cash salary. <laughs> and I think it was a little bit more. And I struggled. I struggled. I struggled with two things. Number one, trusting God to provide. Number two, my pride. Because I'd have to go forward on a message on tithing in front of all of my dorm guys. <laughs> that was probably the worst part than the other one. But I'll never forget doing it. And our the pastor was a dear friend. And I just was specific and he told everybody. That changed my life. Changed my life. I remember the joy of that, but there have been far greater things than that. Folks, your God, my God, will provide. He sees, knows, has it all figured out. He'll take care of you. The life you want to live is a life of believing. You can trust your God. Let's bow for prayer.